before we introduce ourselves, I want to introduce, introduce somebody else to you because actually people from the LGBTQIA plus community are more important than us. Oh. I want to introduce you to Ollie, say hello to Ollie. Um, we didn't force Ollie into the box, we didn't make Ollie get in the box. Ollie voluntarily got in the box and is perfectly happy. Um, Ollie is a trans man, um, at this point nearly 23 years old, and at the point that the photo was taken, um, Ollie, I'd known Ollie for about five years. I knew Ollie pre-transition. I knew Ollie very recently after transition and have then journeyed and learned a lot from Ollie. Ollie has taught me more about this whole thing than anything I've read or seen or anything else because it's real and it's Ollie's story. Um, Ollie isn't sponsored by a certain internet company, but maybe the logo and the expression on it sums up where Ollie was at that point. So, as I say, Ollie is a trans man. Um, on the particular evening that this was all going on, I was sitting down with Ollie and having a bit of a conversation. And by this point, Ollie was also one of our volunteers, um, kind of loosely a responsible adult. An adult, certainly not responsible, but absolutely brilliant. Because we run a group, which Ruth will tell you about in a little while, but we're not part of the LGBT community, apart from the fact that we're allies, whereas Ollie, brought a whole wealth of experience and understanding into that, which was absolutely brilliant and fantastic. Um, I was sitting and talking with Ollie, and Ollie is also autistic. So when Ollie says something, Ollie means it. There are no sights or slights or anything else going on. And Ollie said to me, it's my birthday in a week's time. I'm like, brilliant, Ollie, happy birthday. How old are you going to be? 23. And then Ollie said, but I'm kind of, you know, because I'm getting really old. I'm, like, I'm sitting there in, in my 50s going, Ollie, I'm going to slap you in a moment. And Ollie says, but no, seriously, I'm getting towards the end of my life expectancy. Because the average age of a trans male is 25. Because so many complete suicide. And Ollie being autistic, assuming if he's average and he's reaching 23, He's only got a couple of years left. I have learned so much from Ollie. The key thing, just one or two things I'd like to get across to you. One of the key things that Ollie has taught me because of his high functioning autism and being ex able to explain to me what's going on in his head because he's had to learn how to explain what's going on in his head to survive in any way in the world. So one of the key things with lots of people within the LGBTQ community is dysphoria. This is this thing where who the world see doesn't match who they are. In their head and in their heart and in their inner being, who they are. So you all sit there at the moment, probably, I'm not going to make a massive assumption, but you kind of know who you are. You know, if somebody said to you, how do you know you are male? How do you know you're female? How do you know you're not male or female? There's just something, isn't there, about us. Ollie explained to me that the person that the society sees that defines him in a certain gender, that's not the person Ollie is on the inside. The person that Ollie sees when he looks in the mirror isn't the person that Ollie is on the inside. There is a mismatch. 
between what is on the outside and what Ollie knows on the inside he is. So as a trans male, Ollie was assigned female at birth. And Ollie has grown up all through his life knowing that that isn't right. Knowing that everything society says about being a girl, about being female, is not what he feels. It's not what he experiences, it's not what he understands, but didn't know what that was and what that meant and what that could be. Until one day he saw something on the internet, somebody talking about being trans, and it clicked for Ollie that that's what he felt. Ollie passes very well as a man. A lot of people would not spot that he was not assigned male at birth. Apart from one thing that drives Ollie mad and affects his mental health and his stability every day, all day, because Ollie can cut his hair in a certain style combined and make his figure look much more masculine, has really done well with the adaptation of voice and things like that, but he can't change his hands. And every time he picks something up, touches something, goes to do something on his phone, he sees hands that are not his. And it pulls at his ability to cope and his mental health. And many, many, many people in the LGBTQ community will be going through something like that. Because society says something about them that they believe they should be, they are, but that's not who they are. It doesn't match what's going on for them on the inside. So, Ollie is just one of the people we've met in the last six years since myself and Ian have been officers at Ivy Bridge in Devon, probably one of the least diverse places in the country, but just a, a little example of the people we've met and part of the reason that we're here today talking to you. Um, we have got 45 minutes to get through a massively huge topic. We're not going to cover any, everything by any means. And um, we start off with a big, big disclaimer. We are not experts. We do not have the answers to the questions that many people have. Um, but we have been on a journey with um, working with LGBTQ plus people and understanding what's, some of what's going on. And, so, and we're very passionate about that and we want to be able to share that with you today. Um, so we're going to start off by kind of looking at the bigger picture, what's, what the understanding of what we're finding in some of the world. So we've got some stats, first of all. These, is, uh, these ones are taken from a, a general uh, poll from general public. Um, and you can just see the amount of people who are identifying as LGBTQ+, who are experiencing poor mental health. It's huge. And also the fact that they're less likely to attend any kind of support because they are scared about discrimination. And as we've heard already today, even if they're attempting to, the barriers and just the, the lack of availability out there means it's a long, long journey to get any kind of support. And again, looking um, digging into some more of the detail of that, so if you're bisexual, 40%, lesbian, gay, 28%, compared to 16% heterosexual people with these kind of issues. There is a big mismatch there. People who um, are in the LGBTQ community that um, turn to alcohol or drug use, substance use, to try and deal with some of what they're going through, again, a massively higher percentage than heterosexual people. Um, oh. All right. <laughs> and then Just Like Us is a charity that support LGBTQ plus kids. And so this is referring to school children, the kind of 
people that we've been working with and dealing with an awful lot. And again, it's just that repeated story, the likelihood of mental health, poor mental health, the likelihood to complete suicide, experiencing suicidal thoughts, looking at how that compares to a heterosexual child, likelihood of self-harm, again, a comparison. And this one, this is the scary, scary one. Well, it's all scary, to be honest, but experience bullying. 91% of LGBTQ plus kids will be experiencing bullying. And it's some of the harshest, most horrible type of bullying as well. So the stats and what the world is saying, what's showing to us is that this is a massive, huge problem and something that has been on our hearts. Um, we were asked to look at some of the problems and some of the things that create that kind of marked difference in who they are, their mental health, and what's going on in their lives. If you go back to what Lee was saying, is saying to us, the trauma that they are experiencing on a regular, regular basis. And what we're going to chuck up now comes from our young people and our experience of working with them. And at the top of the list is church. And we have to take the blame for it because the view of sexuality and gender that pervades throughout the world comes from Christian theology that we've exported to many parts of the world, often changing how their society viewed and adapted. It's our fault. It's still our fault. Stuff that's going on in the world, even now, a lot of which is fueled and generated through the American political system and the support for republicanism that comes out of very conservative Christianity. The drive in America to completely wipe out trans and LGBT is phenomenal. There are states in America, over 20 states in America, that within the last year have brought in legislation to ban people talking about gay in school. To stop kids identifying as gay in school. To prevent parents from supporting children identifying as gay. Um, there are states that are passing legislation in this year, since the beginning of the year, that are stopping trans people being able to access medical support, including hormone treatment, to help them deal with their um, effects and the dysphoria that they are feeling. And some people will have to stop taking medication they're already on because of that change. In this country, it is going on. So, uh, Brianna Gay, a young lady that was killed in a park in the northwest of England by three young people. Mainstream newspapers in this country reported her dead name. A dead name is the name that somebody who is trans was given at birth that identifies them as the wrong gender or a different gender in a way they do not identify. So most people then choose their name. Brianna was her chosen name. Newspapers deliberately reported her dead name, the name given at birth, when she wasn't female. Despite the fact that the family accepted and wanted and identified her as Brianna, newspapers in this country, and we're talking main national newspapers, used her dead name because as far as they were concerned, that's what she was called at birth, so that's what they will use. Completely overriding the wishes of her parents. 
there is a support group for trans people in this country, trans children in this country called Transactual UK. And they have a, a telephone helpline for young people and support. Uh, one of the main newspapers in this country, along with a number of celebrities in this country that are very forthright conservative feminists, deliberately targeted this charity. They got to the point where they got the CEO to resign. They got to the point where they had to withdraw their telephone helpline because they just constantly got people to ring it and harass the staff. This is being supported by right-wing people in this country, right-wing media in this country. It's happening now. The government in this country, don't want to be massively political, but it is a reality. The government in this country blocked the gender identity bill that had been debated and talked about and developed in Scotland for years. And it got through and it came through, so it allowed people to self-identify their gender and to change that on self-identification, rather than going to have through a very long-winded medical route of being able to do that. It got down to Parliament, which had to ratify it on behalf of the Scottish Parliament, and they blocked it. The government in this country currently have a bill going through where they want to remove trans people from the Equality Act, so that they no longer have protection under the Equality Act. That is going on in our country now. And that type of stuff pervades out of what the church defined as societal norms and what we now have taken on as societal norms. That then spreads across into institutions. So you go with somebody who doesn't identify as their birth name, doesn't identify as their gender assigned at birth, and they go and they want to get a bank account and a bank card, it has to have their legal name on it. So unless they change their name by default, it's going to have their dead name on their card every time they go to use it, every time they go to do it. It's going to have their dead gender on their card every time they go to use it. They're going to be identified by the person on the end of the phone every time they need to do something with their bank, every time they go to their doctors, every time they go to get glasses. Every time they do every, anything, unless they've gone through a very long-winded legal route, they have to re-come out. They have to go back to their dead name that causes them all that psychological trauma. School. We looked at some stats there about kids in school. Horrible, nasty. We had to challenge our local school. We come from a small Devon town. We have about 14,000 people in our town, but we have 2,500 kids in a huge high school because they bust them in from everywhere. And they did not understand there the bullying that was going on, and they hadn't linked it to gender and they hadn't linked it to sexuality. And we had to point it out to them that actually what is going on isn't general classroom banter, this is discriminatory bullying, and actually legally they have to register it. They have to have records of everything going on, and they weren't doing it. So um, I can be quite assertive. You wouldn't guess, would you? I'm quite a quiet, mild manner type guy. So I literally sat there with their senior leadership team, well, that's really simple, I will ring Ofsted and I will report to them the incidents that I know have happened, and if they're not on your register, there's going to be a big question, isn't there? They did arrange some good training and some better training for teachers who weren't picking this stuff up, weren't recording it, weren't dealing with it. 
Health system, appalling. Um, our health system is underfunded and under-resourced and struggling greatly. But if you are in the LGBT community, finding a doctor that understands your needs and is willing to work with you within those needs is not easy. It's very, very difficult. If you need any form of medical support for transitioning or with dysphoria, which isn't just a trans issue, non-binary is a massive issue nowadays. I'll explain non-binary in a minute. If you need any medical help, there was one clinic in this country that did that. You needed to find a GP that was willing to refer you into that because there was no self-referral, there was no other way out than going through a GP referral into that system. Uh, the waiting list currently stands at over five years. Ollie, who we looked at earlier, was referred over three and a half years ago. Hasn't yet had a letter even confirming that they're on the list and being looked at. Average wait is over five years, but the government decided that that clinic wasn't working as it wanted it to, so they closed it, but haven't yet decided or started to put in place any model to replace it. So currently there is no medical provision in this country to support people through the health system to transition or deal with dysphoria, dysphoria issues. Peer group, we discussed bullying and that stuff that's going on. Family, we have people within our group who are not out to family. Because they're not out to family, they can't be out at school. They can't change their name at school. They can't change their pronouns at school. They can't change their gender at school to be identified as different because the family, at the age they're at, they cannot do that. So at school, they have to live with the dead name and the gender that they don't, doesn't match who they are on the inside. The only place that they can be who they feel they are is with their friends and with us. Family that don't understand. Social media. It's a brilliant place for resources, but it's also a horrible place. With trolling and abuse and some of the most horrible attacks, often on young people, by adults, professing, sadly, and quoting scripture and biblical theology that they believe is correct. It's just the most nasty nasty thing. Um, we were asked to look at what do LGBT people think about the church. We asked our young people and they told us we are out of date, we're irrelevant, we hate them, we judge them, we want to stop them being who they are, we want to stop them being, we think they're evil, we define them as evil, we define them as wrong and we're the biggest part of the problem. Because even if we have a slightly different view here, lots of what they see and lots of what they understand comes from America. They see all the news reports about what's going on over there. They then see the reports of what's going on in this country, which is remarkably kept out of media. They know our society hates them and they know that at the root of that was what church said was right. I think it's you. Mm -hmm. oh, no. So it is clear from all of that there is a massive, massive issue. Um, and I think a few years ago for us it really started to sit on our hearts and our minds and there were quite a number of reasons for that. I think the first 
And the biggest thing for us, we were looking at all this stuff happening in the world, we were becoming more and more aware of it, some of the issues and, and the things that are being said. And we just saw this isn't, this isn't what God wants. We believe in a loving God and we believe in that commandment to love God and love other people. That includes all other people. And we're not seeing that. We were seeing so much hurt, so much pain that was coming directly from the church, that was coming as a result of what is considered, what church feelings are, and just whole of how society was reacting. And it was not an example that we saw in Jesus. It's not rocket science, it's all there throughout scripture. Jesus was there with the marginalised, with the people that society were going, they're not good enough, they're not right, and that's where we need to be. That, well, that's enough of a starter, isn't it? I think, really, and it should be. Soon after that, we had the debates coming up in um, other denominations, other churches, about same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships. All of those sort of things bubbling up and coming up and, and the discussion. Not long after that, Ian got a very, very big nudge from God to start looking into this and, and um, determined to read everything you could possibly lay your hands on. He likes to read. Um, about everything that he could possibly read. Looking at both sides of the debate, what's going on, what's happening here, where are these thoughts coming from, what do we need to be doing about it? Alongside this, um, and this is where the next picture should come in. We have two teenagers. Um, it's very hard to get a family photo of teenagers. <laughs> this is us in the car on Christmas Day, heading from Devon, having done the Christmas Day service to Essex to be with the family. Um, and yeah, our, our two beautiful, um, justice-focused teenagers who are angry. They... Um, they don't live on social media, but they have access to social media, and they were seeing so much on there that they're like, this isn't right, what's happening here? This is happening in the church. This is what people are saying about the Salvation Army. And they're angry, 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 because my two beautiful children are also on a journey discovering who they are, how they identify their sexuality. So as a family, we've been on a massive, massive journey. Um, huge learning curve. We've had to work out between us what's going on. Now, we're not, we never have been conservative Christians. We've never been of the mindset this is wrong. Um, but even sort of in a kind of loving, open way, we have learned so much from our children and we have been on this massive journey. We've, we've coped with um, changes of name. We've coped with different pronouns having to be used. We've tried to train our family, our wider family, and all of that as well, which is harder, especially with some of the older generation as well. And, yeah, and the, the debates, oh, they've been fruity. Um, <laughs> the stuff that they're coming to us with, look, this is happening, this is being said. So, yeah, we less gentle conversations around the dining table, but more sort of like, what? What's going on? They're looking to us as church leaders, and, come on then, and any other, I think any little ray of hope we're able to offer, oh look, this has happened, this is good. But it's not enough. It's not enough. They are kids that feel secure in our church. They feel secure in our divisional youth. But they're also quite scared. Our oldest is going off to university this year. And it's like, well, I know I'm safe here. 
if I go to another church over there, how do I know? If there are people in that church, in that Salvation Army, or at other church, who don't have that feeling that you do, and there's that uncertainty, and they shouldn't have to be living with that. So yes, the debates, the discussions have been great, and one thing we were all clear on is that things need to change. There needs to be something different. People are being hurt, and it is not right. So we had a growing desire, the growing desire to do Something, we weren't entirely sure what, and then an opportunity came our way. So one evening we were both helping out at um, uh, Youth for Christ drop-in. They use our building, they have a Friday night youth drop-in. We were both volunteering there, and um, we noticed a commotion going on outside. Uh, we have a play park right next to us, and there was a, a slightly intoxicated, very intoxicated guy um, walking along the path, and yelling at this group of teenagers who were sat in the park. Rocking up and everything. And so we sent Ian out to sort him out, <laughs> send him on his way, which he did. Um, checked in on the kids, you okay? <laughs> a little nervy. Popped out again a little while later, have another chat with them. Like, you know, we're just we're just so used to being attacked. We're so used to being shouted at and having horrible things said about us because it happens all the time, and we're really on edge. And yeah, they opened up to us, and they were all part of the LGBTQ plus community. We had a little chat and we, it got us thinking. In our church building, um, along every window, it says a safe place, a safe space for all. It's what we wanted to have in our church building and it's like, okay. And I don't think those, those kids weren't even really coming into the youth drop-in because they didn't feel that was particularly safe. It's full of kids they knew from their school, kids that they were getting abused from. So we were like, okay, we need to make, we need to, we need to stand true to what's, what it says on our windows. and. And actually, yeah, we need to make this a safe space. We had a connection with this group because actually our youngest was starting to form a friendship with some of the kids in that group. So we said, let's put the idea out there. Let's give it a go. How would you feel if we opened up that building once a fortnight, but specifically for LGBTQ plus young people? And it was a by invite only. It wasn't something we advertised to the world. We, we used the roots, we said, let's give it a go. They were wary, understandably. We're church leaders, we are the enemy as far as they're concerned. But through the connection, the relationship with our youngest, yeah, they said we'll give it a go. And so, a little while later, well, a year later now, it has been a year, isn't it? We have um, Goof, um, Gay Youth, they named it. Uh, and that's our group. We meet once a fortnight, a small group of kids. We have about five to ten young people join us in each session. Um, depending on the energy levels, we are, um, it's either extreme table tennis with no table involved, um, dancing to Just Dance on the Wii, um, intense Uno games, or just chatting, always hot chocolate, um, and we just have a space to hang out. We've got a few people that come from that key group and others have joined along the way. But whatever is going on, that group of young people know that as a safe place. They know they can be themselves here. And we have kids that come here that as Ian has said, are not able to be fully out at home. We have one young person that comes who um, is living with Nan. Nan just doesn't get it. <laughs> and so actually they spend most of their time in their room, in their own space, and that one chance, once a fortnight when they come to join us is their place where they can come and they can be. And the, the kids are in different places, some with support from families, some with not, some are struggling with that. They all pretty much have been bullied in some way, shape or form at school. 
There's a lot of hurt going on there. And we welcome them in. We sit down, we chat, we play games. It doesn't feel like an awful lot, but then you get those moments where a young person comes to you and says, thank you, because for the last couple of hours I've just been able to be me. And it means the world. We talk about shalom, we talk about wholeness, we talk about justice, and there's that little snap, little snapshot that they're able to achieve that and feel that in some sense in that way. And that makes it all worthwhile. Some of the things we've learned about how to create safe space, some of the things that we've talked through as a group, and just some of the things we've kind of experienced as we've gone along. Um, as you can see, <laughs> boxes have themes. That's another one about young people. Again, they chose to be in the box. They <laughs> drew the face um, on. Yeah, it is mad. But I've got to say, it's the best thing we do. Most energised by the complete and utter madness of what happens at Goof. Just being naturally caring and messing around and being with those young people. Um, so, how to create safe places, inclusive places. You need to know the issues. You need to understand the issues a bit. You need to grow in that. It's good. If you've done it, fantastic. Reread it. If you haven't done it, do it. Um, just slightly bit. We, we have discussed this with some of our group. Unfortunately, when you put a marker in the sand, that was correct when it went there. The language and some of the stuff moves on a little bit, but it's good, and it will get you, you'll be much closer than you would be without. You need to read stuff. You need to find people and their journey. Uh, we recommended this book, Vicky Beeching, absolutely amazing worship leader, whose life has been totally changed and, I would argue, destroyed because of having to hide who she was for so long. Physical effects on her as a person, an autoimmune thing that came through the stress that she was under, who lost everything because she then needed to live as she was. An exceedingly powerful book. She's also a doctor of theology. She doesn't talk much theology in here, but on a website she does, and she knows it. She's lived it. She's studied it. Very, very good book. Any people that talk about that story and talk about where they're going. Um, if you want to know a little bit more, if you want to go into the theology, there's some good stuff out there. That is a really interesting book, but it's a heavy read. It's called The Basics of Queer Theology. Yeah, if that's the basics, I don't want to read the heavy one. Um, and I quite like theology books. This one, I really recommend. David Gushy um, is downstairs. It's called Changing Our Mind. The reason why it's good, he's a good theologian, he's a well-regarded theologian, but he's also a person that's gone on that journey of coming out of um, right, um, that conservative Christian Pentecostal view, and realising very practically that that isn't the Jesus he knows and the Jesus he wants to see lived out, and digging into it and going, right, how, what? So he goes on a journey. But what he also challenges is, even if you don't get the theology yet, theology of the Bible is very clear. Love others. Love your neighbour. Not be selective in that love of your neighbour. Love your neighbour. So if you do still have an issue with the theology and you don't agree with it, David gives you a way that you can still be loving and do what we need to do for this very marginalised group. Really good book. Um, there are plenty of other places you can read, and I'll chuck some stuff up 
in a little while. Social media is amazing. There's some really good stuff out there. People putting up on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, their stories, their experiences. Listen to people's experiences. You probably also know people in that community. People in your community will be in that community. There will be people in your churches that are in there. They might not be out there. Or they may be. But you know their story. Have you come alongside them? Are you journeying with them? You will learn a phenomenal amount from them. You probably also have people in your church communities who are relatives of, parents of, kids of. Do you know them? Are you alongside them? Are you putting in place some loving pastoral support because of all this other stuff that goes with it? You will learn phenomenally from it. Um, my daughter was absolutely horrified because she found me on Instagram. She's like, what on earth are you doing on Instagram? That's not your generation. But actually, that's where the people I needed to understand their stories were. So that's where I sit. Know the issues. Read, 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 read. Learn the language. You won't get it right all the time because it's always changing. But start to learn the language. Start to listen to how young people and people in the LGBT part of our community express themselves. Start to learn to understand it. Badges and logos, both on yourself and in and around your building or wherever you are. I never go out without a pride badge on. Because I, one of the uh, couples that I first started looking at when we started our journey with Mia, and they were just expressing, they live in quite a safe country for this, they live in Canada. But they express that even in a very safe place where they live in Canada, there are times of the day and parts of their city they will not walk and hold hands. And when they have to walk along the street, and if they are in any way showing any sort of like affection for each other, they are constantly looking at everybody that's heading towards them to think, could they be a problem? Could they be an issue? If you're wearing one of these, you say you're not. And they don't need to be quite as wary of you. It gives people an opportunity and, an, and a thing to see you as an ally, to see you as, as a little mini safe space. The other thing it does, you wear one of these, you will get into conversations. There's not a shop in our town I haven't had a conversation because I always wear one of these. Post office. And because they know I'm part of the Salvation Army and quite often I've got a logo Salvation Army jacket on or a t-shirt or whatever it is I'm wearing, they're like, hang on a minute, how does being part of the Salvation Army fit with that? And I'm able to explain that, actually, no. Just because what you think the church thinks of that, that's not it. That's not the whole story. And this is who we are and what we can do. Pronouns. Um, our experiences is that within the LGBT community, gender is becoming a much bigger issue for younger people. They don't feel defined by, and they don't agree to be defined by the social construct. There is no such thing as a physiological definition of gender. It's a social construct that we've made. They don't feel either male or female. They are non-binary, some of them. I don't want to be defined by the binary way you say it. I don't feel that I'm either male or female. So they don't want to use pronouns that identify them as either male or female. That's not who they are on the inside. So pronouns are important. Non-binary people often use they, them, which we struggle with because we don't understand grammar and it sounds like plural to us, but it's not. 
So they're not he, she, they're they, them. I wear my pronouns on everything. He, him. What that says to somebody in that community is that I understand pronouns and I understand for some people they're really important and I'll be a safe space to do that. If somebody gives you their pronouns, try and stick to them. You won't get it right all the time. You will fail. We still fail. And there's a way of dealing with that. And it's another way of saying, my email address, all my social media has my pronouns on it. Because it says to people out there, I'm an ally. I understand why this is important. I understand why it's important to you. Seek to listen. Seek to understand. Listen to story. Learn from them. Speaking out on the issues, as I said, because I wear my badge, I get endless opportunities to talk about it. So when people ask me, I talk about the fact of the mental health within the LGBT community, the bullying that goes on with young people, the discrimination that goes on for young people and how we need to change it. And bit by gentle little bit, we begin to change the environment around us. We begin to bring Shalom a little bit more opportunity within our communities. Signs how a place looks. We have a massive blessing, which is a God thing. It's totally nothing to do with us that our building doesn't look like a church. Because remember what Lee said about crawling in on your hands and knees into the centre? Can you imagine going into a church if you've never been in one and you've got this view of what church people are like? Entering that space. Who likes going to the dentist? Who gets that anxiety when they need to go and do one of those things? Or go and attend an appointment of that type? That times it by a lot. And you get that feeling of those people who see this big enemy, but actually... So if you want to bring them into your space, actually possibly what you've got to do, you've got to go into their space first. Meet them in neutral spaces. Meet them in places where they feel comfortable until they trust you, and then they probably will come into your space. But how you make it look... We have a lovely thing, so one of the main focuses of our church for a long time has been parent and toddler, so we get this lovely space that we take over and we're able to use, and it's a big lovely octagon and it's got six big windows, which we needed blinds on. So with those that understood and we knew we were safe with, we're like, let's put a pride flag around as our blinds, so our blinds go around in the pride flag colours. For those that didn't quite get it, we just told them it would be lovely for the kids because they're bright colours. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a way. <laughs> but in our building, anybody in that community comes in and they see that. And if they see that, they might give you an opportunity to show yourself a little bit more. And if they then get the loving response that goes with that, then you're a big step forward. Using pride signs, using appropriately worded things up there about who you are and your intention. As Ruth said earlier, our building all the way around, and we've got windows that people can walk around all the way around our building, says a safe place for all. And we mean it. You need to love, you need to love, you need to love, and you need to love. And you need to love a bit more. As Lee said, be there with them. Love them. Just journey with them. Listen with them, mess about with them, do the stupid table tennis with them, and all of those things. Love them. For us as a church, we would love to see them, some of those come on a faith journey with us. But we have some issues as a Salvation Army in that. We need to remove the barriers to membership that are difficult. And actually, you can do a lot of that locally. 
So in our church, we do have a few soldiers. We do have a number of adherents. But actually, you don't have to be either of those to be a full-functioning working member and invited and fully seen as a member of our church. Because that's a conversation between us and you and a faith discussion between us and you. And we have no hierarchy of the best thing to be as a soldier and any of that. We've removed all of that. So there are people that are full, feel involved, invited members of our church, and we have no problem doing it because we've removed all of those barriers. Remove them from your setting. You can do most of them. There's a little bit of an issue with one or two things, and that is a challenge that goes on. But actually, we as people, as part of people of the Salvation Army in this country, need to be standing up on that. There's an SA inclusion group uh, page on Facebook. Be part of it. Be in it. We need to be praying for the next High Council because we need to really pray about who the next general is. But Ian, can I ask a question? Because I have a real tension yeah. at the moment around that. That's fine if I'm at a core as a soldier yeah. with an officer like you yeah. that's willing to go on that journey with me. Yes. If I wasn't in that, I can't do a lot yeah. of that. And I, again, I have a, a, a degree of tension with the rainbow shield. I, I get it and I love it, but the Salvation Army isn't that inclusive yet. Yes. And I know it's a way of saying I am. Yeah. But there's just that. Uh, do you see what I'm coming, where I'm coming from in that? I do. And for us, one of the challenges, and we've been really clear on all of this journey, we've been on this journey without the HQ. Mm. And we've made it really, really clear that if we're going to go down this route, we're going to do this, you need to know who's going to take over from us. Yes. Because it can't be yeah, unplugged. Yeah. And one of the things that the SA Inclusion Group are pushing THQ to get into place is, is that nobody can come in and undo what's been done. If somebody like me, a bit of a loudmouth maverick, has come in and done this, and you come into the core next, you've got to go with it because you can't damage people's lives. The other thing is, is we are open and honest with people about that before they make that step. We do not set anybody up for a fall. If they make that step to become part of us, we are open and honest about, potentially at the moment, what could happen when and if we leave. And we have to be honest about that. And it makes it difficult for us as a movement. But we need to pray about High Council. High Council is gonna happen in May. All of us need to be praying every day about who's going to take over. Because we need t IHQ, we need the general to let go of those holding things and let territories do it the way territories need to do it for them. And then leadership in this country are ready and want to do that, but can't do it at the moment. Pray for the High Council. Um, local links, other local groups, there will be groups in your area, there will probably be a pride group, there will probably be other support groups or LGBT people. Start talking to them, start getting involved with them. You're going to have to prove yourself to be trustworthy, you're going to have to prove yourself to be safe, but go through it. Because if you then get in with them, they can really also help you and they can refer people to you as a safe space and they will do it, they know that you are. You can also help the young people because there are questions that you can't answer, but you can have a place to send them on to where you can. And young people helped us with all of that, but these are the ones they really want you to know.
okay? You need to journey with them, which is exactly what the training stuff says, because the experience from who that came out of. Journey with them, be with them. You may not be able to answer everything, but you can be a safe space, and you can be a place, we've got young people, that the only place they can be that is with us. Don't ask anything else, wait for them to say. Your first LGB person does not come, become your personal library of access to learn all about it. I was utterly blessed with my relationship with Ollie that Ollie then took me through and taught me loads, but only when Ollie was ready and when Ollie said it. Don't ask loads of questions. Most of these people, and it comes up in a minute, have mental health issues, have huge anxiety. And they may not be able to cope with that at the moment. When you get it wrong, and you will, we still do, frequently, correct it, because it's important that you realise you've got it wrong, correct it and move on. Don't use the over-the-top apology stuff, because they're anxious. And that just embarrasses them. They're socially anxious, and it just causes them a whole heap of... Correct it, move on. Leave it. They're fine. They know you're trying. They know you're an old idiot. They'll be alright. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. The Bible is really clear on this. There is only one judge, that is God. It's really clear on this, so I don't know why the church is so judgy. That is not our place. Don't judge. There was another one. It's gone. Oh, there we go. Yeah, be aware that they have mental health issues. Be aware that they have difficulties and anxieties. Be gentle. Be okay to just sit in silence with them. Be comfortable with that. It's horrible. I'm rubbish. It really causes... I go home after goof, absolutely blessed, but absolutely exhausted. Because I can't stand that stuff, as you've noticed. But we've got to be gentle. And when you do, that's when you get those most amazing rewards. <coughs> um, some of the organisations you can look at, Stonewall, Mind Out, another brilliant one, Mermaid UK, very good young people. Pink News is good for LGBT stuff. Transactional UK is fantastic. Freed Hearts is an American thing, but it's really good at challenging that conservative Christianity stuff. My Gender Nation, um, News and Stories, Just Like Us is another charity, supporters of LGBT and primarily youth, young people. The two, the stats that we gave you earlier were from these two, UCL and, and Just Like Us. If you're going to read anything to understand a little bit on theology and it's not your big thing, read this article by Walter Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann is probably one of the world's leading theologians alive at the moment. He's written over 120 theological textbooks. He is a brain beyond belief who happens to be able to write so that people can understand it. He wrote an article that was published in September last year called How to Read the Bible on Homosexuality. Walter Brueggemann comes from a Catholic background, so he certainly will have come out of a conservative theological background. But he has looked at the world around him, looked at theology and gone, this can't be right. So he's gone on a journey to look at scripture and try and work out how we've ended up where we are. 
with the theology that the church has brought to the world for the last however long. And this article is about five A4 pages long, so it's not the hugest of read, but it gives you a way of understanding why we got to where we were, but how we can move on from it, from an absolutely remarkable theologian. That's us. Sorry, too much. <laughs> but it's important because those young people are hurting. You saw the stats. That's scary. Those young people are a big chunk of those young people that Lee was talking about. Because if you're bullied every day at school, that's trauma. There is no safe space. If you cannot be who you totally feel inside at home in with your parents, that's trauma. We need to be in that space. You don't need to be doing what we're doing. You need to trust God to lead you. But if you start reading and start understanding, start being open, start... God will put people in your way and you will meet them. You might journey with one person. That might help you grow. You might end up doing something like we're doing. You might end up doing something so much more than that if that's what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. But you need to be open to seeing it, the opportunity that God will give you. Be in a safe space that people know they can come and be. We know you want food, but we're also happy to take any questions. We will try and answer them. If you want to talk to us at any point throughout the rest of the weekend, come and find us. If you want to talk theology, come and talk to me. The one thing I would say to you, if you're going to come and tell me that the Bible says, know where it says it. Because <laughs> I'm quite vehemently angry at people that tell me what the Bible says but don't know where it is. They just know that that's what the church may have told them. I will know where it says it, because I've read, and I'm happy to talk about that with you.